Hello world, welcome to the High Paying Bastards. We are your hosts, Ian and Ari. Here we will discuss anything related to video game culture, so please take a seat and join us. Okay, since we're going let's do this okay, let's one more time as DJ Khaled says. Let's do this. Another one, baby. Another one. We got Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League, coming in hot, baby. Ha! I gotta open all this shit again. Let's do it. All right. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I know we're looking at the GamesRadar.com article that came out about the Suicide Squad. So, according to the uh, GamesRadar, less than an hour after the game's early access period, only available to the players who had purchased its deluxe edition, began for the players in the New Zealand time zone. The game was pulled offline. According to the developer Rocksteady, the maintenance was due to a bug that could mark players' story completion to 100% as soon as they logged into the game, locking them out of any main mission. So before you even get this game, this game has one of the worst launches for a video game can have even before the game is released. <laughs> yeah, because you already beat the game as soon as you launch it. <laughs> isn't, isn't that amazing? Like, how is it that you're supposed to have, like, you know, Rocksteady has such a stellar reputation for creating some amazing games. And the moment we see some of the first trailers to right now up all the way to its release window, it's been having hammered with all the negativity its game will probably deserve at the end. It's it's mind-blowing to kind of watch that happen. Ari, the thing is, is you already know, like, what the answer to that to that is right it's not the developers by any means it's it's not the developers we're seeing this from the shareholders and the ceos right the shareholders and ceos have so much pull on this game and how to make the game itself right i'm sure rocksteady didn't want to make necessarily a live service game right they they saw critical acclaim with the arkham games that they made people love those games they're beloved dude everyone loves the fucking games now they're being told that they have to make certain changes and implementations and stuff. So what do we get? We get Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League. And what happens with that? that people are getting bugs that, that auto-complete the story as soon as they launch it. You know what I mean? We got a maintenance that, that pops up, right? So th- we're talking about the people that paid 70 to $100 or whatever for the game for early access for three days early access. For two of those days, they don't even get to play it because they get a bug that completes the game and they have scheduled maintenance, right? Crazy. And we're talking about a game too, clocked in to to st- to finish that game, nine to 10 hours, Ari. Nine to 10 hours. Kill that is just like... Insane. And when all this happened, do you know what people got as a compensation for their, you know, uh, the things they got? They got $20 worth of game change here you go in-game <laughs> currency you can't even take the fucking game currency and you can't buy go and buy a mcdonald's or like fucking gin and tonic that could help you stress out <laughs> stress you out a little bit less but no no no. they decided to just throw an in-game currency yeah no refund nothing like that not actual currency just the in-game currency here you go now shut the fuck up and play our fucking game that's what they want to tell us yeah I mean, honestly, it's a spit in the face to the consumer, right? Exactly. And, and that's yeah. that's kind of where I where I've been sitting at with these games as a service. That's that's where I've been sitting at, right? They they do not help the the consumer, which is of course me and you. You know, we play video games with a consumer. It doesn't help us, right? It's all for big business and shit like that, right? It's it's not good for us, in my opinion. It's not good for us. Straight yeah, up. definitely. But it's also like you know, part of it. 
we got to blame a little bit on the consumer too, in a sense that we've been encouraging with the pre-access, like, you know, deluxe edition, those kind of bullshit. We need to be voting with our fucking money and our wallet to say that, you know, this kind of bullshit cannot pass. Like, I understand like these shareholders have such a demand from the developers saying, hey, where's our live service game? Where's our live service game? But in my honest opinion, if these shareholders, these shareholders want live service game, they should be out there for from reviewing every negative review the game gets and put their name into there because that's what Rocksteady has to do here. Yeah, no, you are 100% right. Uh, it, this is on us as well because you have people that do buy into this shit and it hurts us as consumers, right? Like you said, we have to vote with our wallets, right? We have to. So if I ever were to play this game, which I honestly, in my opinion, it's not looking very bright, but if I were to ever play it, it's going to be heavily fucking discounted, okay? I'm not paying full price for this for any fucking, for nobody. Not even myself. Nobody. Looking at the trailer, other than the characters kind of interplay in chemistry there, I don't see much of a thing attractive from the gameplay perspective. Yeah, of course, DC, and I love DC and everything else, but looking at it, like, you know, the kind of reviews it's getting, which is on the extreme side of either good or bad, but mostly it's been a mixed kind of a review. And also the fact that the review codes were not provided on time for a lot of these reviewers to kind of check the game out properly. It has been kind of hard to gauge whether this game's going to be good or not. But looking at what I've seen so far, like the gameplay, it doesn't look very attractive for me. Overall, it looks like a mediocre game, but it's turning to much ado about nothing more than no, it's a game that will disappear from the pop culture pretty soon kind of thing. You are 100% right. Like you said, oh, we're talking about IGN right now, right? They didn't even get early access review to to offer like a, a review of the game and stuff, right? They got it day one with everybody else, which, I mean... It's bullshit, right? They're they're a quote unquote news company who reports on how games play, stuff like that, story and all that. It lets you review the game before you go and spend seventy to a hundred fucking dollars on this thing. They didn't even get early review codes. They had to wait until the game came out before they could review it. It's bullshit. Yeah, it's a particularly Eurogamer that reported that they did not receive the review codes on time or even at all to kind of check this game out. Although IGN, you know, I don't know if you'll have the opportunity or not, but everybody should go to IGN and check out the uh, review for Argyle, this movie that just came out. And you'll see where IGN's reviews are standing now. They're like, it's such a sassy mode right now with how they're reviewing about stuff. It's kind of fun to kind of check it out. But yeah, I, I mean, that's a side note, but. Yeah, overall, not a good like for not a good look for uh, Suicide Squad: Kill the Justice League, a game that was so hyped up and has been losing its momentum because of all these shits that happening. But if I'm going to check this game out, it's going to be a long time from now and, and a discount. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like it's not just because of like how the game is, but also well, because it is a live service game, right? That's the issue we're seeing with a lot of these things. So rolling right into our next article, we have a report saying that 95% of studios are working on aiming a a live service game, right? 537 game studios who were, uh, you know, questioned and asked, you know, what their content, what they're working on, stuff like that. 537 of them have said that they're, you know, they're working towards a live service game. Yeah, you're looking at the article from Game Industry Biz, which is talking about the uh, 2024 game report that came out from 
Let me see the first source. Uh, let's see. Griffin Gaming Partners, I believe, is yep. what it was. Griffin Gaming Partners, yep. So they've surveyed like some of the industry expert and etc. And looks like the current trend is to try and develop a live service game because the attractive feature about it is that it can maintain or sustain revenue that will help them with the operations and etc. But the same article is also highlighting what the limitations are. Yeah, I think a lot of these, uh, it's not necessarily that a lot of the studios don't know, but a lot of the shareholders and a lot of the CEOs don't understand what it comes to uh, upkeeping a live service game, right? Because it's not just releasing that game, but it's making continuous efforts to improve the gameplay of it, right? And not just that, but you have to try and take you know, other people from playing other live service games to your game. So we're talking about Apex Legends, Fortnite, Call of Duty, right? Those are all kind of live service games now. So you you have to try to convince those players not to play those games, but to play your game. Yeah, and that's not going to be easy because if you have already invested thousands of hours in a game, it's not going to be easy to pull them out and try to make them play your game. Like, you can look at it at the mobile game market, right? Like people who've been playing Candy Crush for so long, they're not going to abandon Candy Crush just because a new game kind of comes out immediately. They've been playing it for so long, yeah. they just continue doing it. Now, that's a not as good of an example because, of course, you know, your actual kind of like you know, playing it on a PC or a console is a little bit different. And people do check out new stuff. But if you don't have a solid product that is properly maintained, that is properly updated, has a proper, like, you know, uh, Road drawing map. roadmap and drawing fact that people know like it's worth their money that even if they use like you know battle pass or whatever that it provides the value to that dollar that they spend then when all of these stars align and the fact that you have the proper tools to manage them as a company then you'll have a live service game that can be you know maintained in the market or be popular or actually generate revenue but that's you need a lot of things to go right in an industry where a lot of things can go wrong at the same time. Yeah, I, you're you're right right there. It's a hundred percent. I mean, you, you have so much shit that can go wrong, and you you need everything to go right for this. It's not even like you need just oh a couple things to go right. You need everything to go right because if you don't have everything go right, you're not going to get longevity of it. Right? We got the finals that just came out. Right? It's a live service game. It's free. It's free. And but you still see players, you know, they jumped on it. It has great destructibility environment and stuff. It's it's fun to play. But will it will it keep grabbing the players to come back? Is is the big thing. And it probably not. I mean, it's just how it is. Yeah. Like these shareholders like you know who are demanding life service can they need to understand is you're demanding a cultural staple to be created. That's not an easy ask. It's not like you're asking, like, you know, any live service game that becomes really big, like Fortnite or PUBG or World of Warcraft, these are becoming because they become a cultural staple point. Like, these are, like, not just, like, you know, a game Fortnite. that you play. Yeah, they're, like, part of your culture now, in a sense. That's how big of an aim you're asking for for any video game company to do. It's easier and more manageable if they are creating a proper AAA game that is popular for a while and then you know people stop playing it because they've finished up the story. But a live service game in order to be successful has to be the like at the pinnacle of the culture of the gaming itself. It needs to be center of everything to be properly successful. It needs to be a box office hit like yeah. day in and day yeah. out, right? 
Whereas like a triple A game just needs to be a box office hit once. You know, we're talking about Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2, God of War, right? Those are huge fucking games. And they sold tons and tons of copies, right? Like they all that's all they needed to do. That was it. And they made up for the studios. But these live service games, they need to continue to do that. It's it's a absolutely astronomical ask to create a successful live series game. But, you know, there's another uh, path to kind of take it as well. You know, there's another thing you can do is you can always release a shitty game and then continue updating and repairing it. (laughs) And that way you can call it a live service game or the best ongoing game service as Cyberpunk 2077 got award for. I was gonna say, are you talking about Cyberpunk? Are you talking about possibly Starfield with their new update 1.9.51? Oh my, yes, I am indeed talking about the Starfield. It's a good segue. So this is from the Twisted Voxels. Update 1.9.51 was rolled out on January 30th, 2024, with emphasis being on bug fixes and significant improvements in the lighting in as many 73 locations in Starfield. Now, I've seen a couple of the comparisons between the before and after images that has been posted on the Reddit. I'll give them this. The updates on Starfield, they do look pretty good, right? I mean, the overall kind of locations look less clinical, as in it looks less like a nurse's office and looks more like, you know, actually saturated. It improves the look of the game a little bit. And it also uh, kind of makes it more bearable to continue playing this game when the lighting kind of looks amazing. They have not done any kind of other significant improvements, but it also shows a good sign that, okay, Batista is going to follow through with their update plans uh, as they have laid out. So it's a good beginning of it. And we just got to see what else is going to come down the road in the pipeline. And they've already highlighted some of the things that they will be working on will be city maps, new ways to travel, new ways to customize your ships, new gameplay options to further adjust difficulty, official mod support with the launch of Creations, and the first story expansion with the Shattered Space, which I think are going to probably focus on the House Varun or whatever they call the snake people, I guess. Yeah, so I mean, looking at some of these screenshots, the lighting effects that they have uh, redone and and improved look phenomenal, right? I, I, I'm not going to sit here and deny it. Like, it looks really good as far as the lighting goes that they've, they've redone. It, like you said, it looks less like a nurse's office or some shit and more like an actual place that you would go visit. So I give them major props on that. I give them major props for continuing to improve their game, right? It's always great to see a studio keep on that promise that they're going to continue to improve this game, you know, and and that's what we need. We need to see this kind of longevity from a studio. So it's great to see that in my opinion. Yeah, but it's still, you know, as you have already highlighted in many other episodes that you and I have done together, it's still not a perfect kind of practice. You know, these are the things that should have been there when the base game came out, right? But 100%, yes, it should have been there when the game came out. I am not going to fucking deny that. Yeah, you were like, go on. Go on, my man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> these are the things that should have been expected when the game itself launched. It, it, it really highlights another point we make is that the time these people are going to spend repairing and fixing this game could have been spent on better, better and stuff to kind of add. That's an opportunity cost you cannot deny. But it's good that they're going to follow through. There are a couple of things that are also coming that will make the game look 
better. For example, Batista revealed the FS3 will be added to Starfield via Steam beta next week, or I think this week, basically. And what FS3, the FSR3 will do is that it is more like a DLSS system, a super sampling technology that will make the graphics look better without straining your CPU. So it's something to look forward to. And even if the overall gameplay has not worked, if it looks better, it does go a long way for a while. For a while. For a but, while. I mean, like like you said, this is shit that should have been, you know, fixed and done day one. But again, I, I at least I'm glad to see they are continuing to improve on what they released. So... Hopefully we can see better things in the future. We know uh, there's been some rumors of Starfield potentially coming to PS5. Um, Xbox is making a lot of kind of moves. So going with that, um, it sounds like the Xbox head isn't too happy with Apple's new App Store policy. So Ari, what does that say to you, my man? Oh, I mean, looks like a little bit of a corporate recess, you know, cafeteria bickering to me, to be really honest. <laughs> but Some malicious compliance, but, if you will. This, yeah, absolutely. This is, as you put it, a malicious compliance, like Apple being petty on that. And so I'm looking at the GameSpot.com article where uh, it says, EU recently passed a new tech regulation called the Digital Markets Act targeting the digital gatekeepers like Apple and requiring them to allow third-party app stores among other things in their devices. In complying with the new regulations, though, Apple has introduced even more fees, and the developers who publish the apps on iOS are not happy about it. Now, think about how unreasonable this fee might be, why every like in big companies like Xbox is being pissy about it. Well, one of the fees includes 50 cents of flat fee included with every app that has crossed the million dollar not million sorry but million downloads threshold on the third party app store now you may think oh what's the 50 cent exactly well majority of the apps on the app store and google play they cost less than a dollar if you are going to purchase it most of them are of course free but and that's another area too but it does not cost you more than a dollar to download these apps now charging 50 cent of flat fee for every download after 1 million that's going to rack up a huge amount of fees for the companies to pay. Yeah, I mean, it's straight up straight nickel and diamond, every fucking thing, right, from the company. Now, I, I mean, I, I will say, you know, hey, Apple, get it while you get it, right? I mean, th they're making some money off of it and let them get it. But I, I feel like it also goes to show that how Apple is unwilling to work with other people because it's like, when you go towards the future and we, we look at the greater scope of things, you know, it's like, what kind of precedence does that set? Right? Like you're sitting here, nickel and diamond, every little thing, but it's like, it's going to happen eventually, dude. Right. You, you can't avoid it. Right. Like I, I'm not the only one that sees that. Right. Ari. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 Ian, you're not the only one who sees that. It's, it's crazy because Apple has to realize that, you know, it's been 10 years since they've held this monopoly of what they can put, you know, on their devices. Absolutely true. But sooner or later, companies were going to come after. There's no reason why any kind of monopoly is going to last for too long. Like, they have to either adjust and learn how to adapt to it, or, you know, they can keep doing this petty-ass shit. 
Yeah. So, I mean, they might as well play ball, right? Like that's, that's in their best interest, right? If they, if they can look towards the future and come to an agreement where they're still going to, if they're going to make money either way, right? It's going to happen. So, you know, but why nickel and dime them for all this shit, right? Like why be so petty in the now when it's, it's going to happen eventually, right? Yeah. Like on my personal end, I would prefer if App Store, the Apple decides to work properly with the third party store because there are many practices that Apple does that are very critical, in my opinion, to protect the privacy of the people who use Apple iPhone because Apple has always kind of supported making sure that, you know, a lot of third party apps like Facebook or other apps cannot track you without your consent. Now, this. Yep. App stores, the third-party app stores that are going to be developed, they're not going to, you know, follow the same kind of rule as Apple is doing for, yep. like, you know, whatever reason, for profitability, of course, but they're not <laughs> going to be, as you know, play ball with the privacy of people who own iPhone as well as Apple does. And I would rather have a system where, like, you know, we have more competition, but the best practices are also maintained on that same manner. Yeah, no, I mean, for sure. I mean, Apple is probably, you know, top contenders when it comes to user confidentiality, right? They protect the users and it's great to see, you know. So if they're able to sit there and enforce those rules of confidentiality to these other third-party apps, then that's that's great for the user. And that's what we need. We need more user protection because we're seeing a lot of, Especially nowadays in the, in still like kind of the early days of the internet where the users get it taken advantage of too much. So it would, it would be nice to see Apple play a little bit of ball and, and come to an agreement rather than kind of nickel and diming and, and pissing off these other companies to no end for no, no real particular reason. So. I don't know. That that that's my view, and I know you kind of share the same kind of view on it. So yeah, I I mean, like you know, Apple doesn't just you know, prevent one application from tra- tracking you, but it also prevents that application from sharing your tracking data with other applications. Like there's a whole nest of privacy concerns, and that Apple has kind of figured out how to be more vigilant about. And it's of course not good that they're acting like a monopoly, but. I would rather, like, you know, they keep those best practices but allow competitors as well. And the only way they can do that is by working with them rather than being this petty, you know, like, you know, schoolyard bully or something. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. I mean, it's, it would be, it would behoove them just to, to work with them than against them. So, but like, this whole, like, yeah, <laughs> our cast phrase, time will tell. Yeah. yeah, but like, you know, we'll see, like, you know, we'll continue to follow this story that like we have been doing since our earliest episode, like this saga with Apple and how the third party stores will affect, you know, consumers and et cetera. This is an interesting story that is being developed and we'll see more and more of these kind of like you know, articles and Supreme Court rulings and acts being created to curb the monopoly of uh, like, you know, device makers like Apple and Google and then see what kind of competition can be brought. Because at the end of the day, it's all about how it's going to affect the consumers, the normal day-to-day people, more than like, you know, what fees are being charged between two companies. Yeah, I will say the EU seems to have a better protection against the consumers or protection for the consumers versus the US. So I'm glad that they can kind of take the flagship on this and kind of maybe try to help us out over here on the, the US soil. Um, because it seems like we're kind of lacking on consumer protections 
Maybe maybe that's just me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's uh, EU has all those uh, you know consumer uh, protection from all the cheese and wine that they <laughs> that they kind of protect you know from uh, outside competition. I guess. Uh, yeah, that's just me being petty about you know I want a good camembert cheese, but these people make it really expensive. But whatever, well, that's a different podcast and different episode to talk about. Yeah, that's not us here. For yeah. here, we're we're moving on to uh, the state of play. Maybe question mark. Yes, let's talk about the big news from the this uh, last week. Play, baby, Ari. When was that? That was uh, uh, on the last Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, something yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it 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 happened on a day that ends with Y for me. Yeah, <laughs> they all just kind of melt together, right? All days melt together. You know what I do, and I know what you do for us. Like there is no difference between a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, or whatever other day there are. But I mean, it happened uh, last it week, happened. January thirty first. I want to say, if I'm wrong, then fuck it. <laughs> yeah, right. Fuck it. Who cares? So this state of play, we saw some. Uh, we we saw a lot of trailers from games that we already know that were coming up. We saw some uh, Death Stranding two trailers, some Silent Hill stuff, Hell Divers, Rise of the Ronin, some Stellar Blade, also a little bit of Judas. If you don't know, that is from the creators of Bioshock. So Ari, what do you want to get into with this state of play? Because there was kind of a, a bit there to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, there is one that we'll probably talk about a little bit more of the Silent Hill, the short bits, but I want to first touch base on the Judas Ghost Story Bioshock from the Bioshock developers. For yeah. me, it looks like, you know, it looks like, you know, finally I'm having my Bioshock, uh, like, you know, drug that I need to kind of instill in <laughs> my fix. vein. Exactly. That I need, fix. My, I needed that fix. It has been about 20 years, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, huge, right? So very interesting kind of kind of gameplay. I've been following this game for a little bit and it, it definitely looks like a Bioshock type game. Like it looks like you got the, the same kind of powers that you get and stuff. It looks very interesting and maybe kind of a rewind type story to from what your character like may have per- perhaps have done in the story and you get a little bit of a rewind or something. I don't know. It looks very interesting though. I'm excited to see what they come up with. Ari, yeah. I want to hear I want to hear from you. What do you got for me for this? For the Judas, in my opinion, I think because the Bioshock has always kind of created a game that is so lore heavy, it has like in a spot it basically is an industry of YouTube lore explainers being spawned off every time they release a game like Bioshock Infinite ending explained, Bioshock ending explained, Bioshock hidden messages, hidden gems, <laughs> hidden next you know, you create an entire YouTube video essay industry from the Ghost Stories game. Okay. So I'm excited about all of that because it is a story heavy kind of game. And that's what I'm more con- not concerned, but that's what I'm more waiting for when it comes to Judas. So yeah, I'm happy to see it. Yeah. Maybe we should jump into that. Uh, our Mark, YouTube, YouTube channel, channel to start, start uh, you know, Judas, Judas explain from point of view <laughs> A, Judas fucking alternate universe, fucking B, whatever, you know, like exactly. it looks crazy like that, right? Like yeah. it definitely looks like a Bioshock type game. And I don't know. I mean, for, from me, it, I feel like the Bioshock people are kind of like uh, the Obsidian, right, of Bethesda, where it's like they're they are very geared towards story, right? So I, I, I'm expecting a very story-heavy game with some really good gameplay elements. I mean, Bioshock was a very great game to play. Second one, still engaging and stuff. Infinite, 
I'm not going to fucking go there because I, <laughs> I, I just really like the first and second one. So, oh, I mean, oh, let's go. Let's make up a new tier and go to the Bioshock Infinite universe, dude. What are you talking about? That's the, that's in my opinion, that was the best of the trilogy, to be really honest. You like that one? Really? Absolutely. That was definitely the first Bioshock game I played too. That's the reason I, yeah, the Infinite one. Story wise, I will say story wise is probably the best. But I feel like for for a gameplay perspective, I feel like the second one was probably better. Yeah, personally, for me. See, that's the thing, right? That's that's just who you and I are, right? We we were like two peas in a pod, the exact opposite gameplay versus the story kind of thing. But they work in tandem. They work in tandem. Okay. <laughs> but you're right in the sense that the Bioshock, for example, the first one, story wise, it's quite significant. It's the one with the whole "Would you kindly" kind of twist very well-implemented twist, and it also has great voice acting and et cetera. It really sets a good stage for the kind of twist you'll expect in the upcoming Bioshock games, and hopefully we'll see that kind of like you know story being kind of turned on its table from Judas as well. That's what I'm expecting for. And the gameplay for these games are quite simple, but not simplistic. Like, yeah, you know, you're like, you're a shooter and like in a powers and stuff, but there are many ways that you can use your power. There are many ways, like, you know, you can kind of get the update and it's simple enough that you can kind of focus on the story rather than being overwhelmed by the gameplay itself. Yeah, no, you are a hundred percent right there. Like there's many different actions that you can take to complete your objectives and stuff. So I, I'm definitely looking forward to Judas to see what they bring to the table. Um, it, great developer, great, great history. So I, I, I expect great things and I hope I'm not disappointed. So moving on from that, I want to move into Ari. I know, I know you might be a little controversial to this, but some Death Stranding too. Because Hideo Kojima, my man, I mean, dude, I do not understand a fucking thing this dude is fucking saying with this fucking trailer, man. What are you talking about? This is the simplest trailer I've <laughs> ever watched from Hideo Kojima. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, of course, that woman's uh, <laughs> neck hand moves. Of course, that makes yeah. sense. It, Troy it's a Baker, very... he's got a fucking guitar. guitar. He's fucking slaying around against a fucking baby. Like, yeah, let's oh, get yeah, it, dude. Of course, and, you know, you've got your Norman Reedus, Mr. Walking Everywhere. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a pretty easy to understand what you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, hey, listen, Hideo Kojima, he, he is, like, we need someone to break the mold, right? I feel like. It, we can't have everybody making the same goddamn Call of Duty fucking franchise and shit. We need someone to to break the mold and to to go like beyond. And I feel like Hideo Kojima, he can he can go there. He's allowed to do that, right? Is is it just me? No, but yeah, you know, this is a <clears throat> this is a sequel, though, right? This that's okay, okay, okay. <laughs> this is a sequel, technically, oh, but I know what you mean. Like, I know that you know. Yes, definitely from the gameplay perspective, not just gameplay, but even story perspective. This is the guy, Hideo Kojima is the guy who wants to push to the limit of what we can communicate, what we can play and etc. That's awesome. I love watching it. I'll say this, uh, joking aside, like after kind of knowing what the Death Stranding 1 was about, it was a little bit more easier to understand the trailer for Death Stranding 2. And it kind of made it more exciting to watch it because like, Okay, uh, we're watching like, you know, repeated characters coming up. Okay, now kind of understand. Okay, like, you know, yeah, it's it's not as easily explained. Like if you put me in a spot and try to explain it, yeah, I cannot. But like overall, you know, 
It looks great. It looks like a long movie with like some gameplay aspect. Love it. Let's check out more. So I feel like with Hideo's games, right? Because you have you have the Metal Gear Solid series, which if you didn't watch the state of play, we saw a little bit of uh he's he's going back into the espionage uh genre. Okay. We'll get to that, okay? But when when you take the Metal Gear Solid series, right, and you you were to take just the first game, it's a very interesting and very good game. But then you have Metal Gear Solid 2, you know, you have Snake Eater and stuff, which builds on that lore and stuff. He he I feel like he gets progressively better with the storytelling and he's able to make it very interesting and unique. So I I, I have high hopes for Death Stranding 2. Death Stranding 1 was very unique. And like, it's like, what the fuck is going on? You have no idea. So I'm hoping that Death Stranding 2 kind of explains things a little bit more in depth. And I think Hideo is going to get that opportunity to really lay it all on the table for you. Yeah, uh, you're absolutely right about like him getting better with like how his story is explained. I think it also helps the fact that he collaborates with some really good storytellers uh, when it comes to like, you know, making his game, like Guillermo del Toro, he does crazy ass shit as well, but he knows how to tell the story. And he also worked with people like Jordan Peele and, you know, Norman Reedus, you know, people who are experienced with Western style of storytelling. So it's always good to know that he has this collaborative opportunity with so many different kinds of people, like especially on the Western culture side, that hopefully he uses that as a way to kind of like, you know, get a more fleshed out story or, not really change how he tells the story, but at least explain or like, you know, cover that story much better. Yeah, I think uh, when he was working with, I think it was Konami, I think he had a lot of restrictions on how he told his story. So I'm glad that he has his own uh, his his own studio so that he's able to kind of to work how he wants to work. And he doesn't have the limitations and stuff. And going on with that, with Death Stranding 2, we also saw that he was going back into the espionage fucking genre. So we have another fucking Metal Gear game that's going to be potentially coming out. No, not no, Metal no, no. Gear, but... It's, yeah. it's not yet. It's not Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> it's not Metal Gear. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, it's not, uh, like, you know, whatever you want to say, uh, the not Metal, Metal Gear Solid game, yeah. right? Yeah, no, no, no. Because, uh, <laughs> like, he's the pioneer of that genre, to be really honest. Yeah. Yeah. He's basically, he knows how to make that particular genre. And we've seen his former company try and do something with it. And it was not as fruitful as, you know, playing the Metal Gear Solid games themselves. And it's supposed to be like, you know, what I don't want is like him to kind of get stuck with like three games for his whole life. One Death Stranding, one Silent Hill type, and one Metal Gear Solid type. But considering that we might not see another new Metal Gear Solid coming up other than remakes, I'm glad that he's going to take this uh, opportunity to kind of create another Metal Gear Solid-like game. He did. Yeah, so, and, and, and like you said, it's kind of, um, it's a double-edged sword, right? He did really well with the Metal Gear Solid games, and he made such a unique and interesting story with the espionage genre that, like it, it's incomparable. You know what? What do we have to compare it with? Sl- Splinter Cell. Uh, fuck out of here with that shit, right? Like when? When was the, the last time Splinter Cell was fucking brought up? Never. Okay, it's always Metal Gear. We always revert back to that. You know, he did. He did leaps and bounds in the genre. So for him to come back to that and with Sony's backing, 
I have high hopes and I, I hope we see some great things from him. I mean, we, I feel like we already have great things to look forward to. I mean, OD, Death Stranding 2, and now a espionage type game. I mean, I feel like uh, with his studio, we have some great things to look forward to. Rise of the Ronin. Ari. Yeah. Before moving Next towards part. that one, uh, let me just okay. say this. Is, Sa- oh, yeah. <laughs> Splinter Cell always comes up when somebody has to <laughs> complain about Ubisoft. So, And Ubisoft gives that plenty of opportunity to do so. So every time you have a complaint about Ubisoft not making good games anymore, Splinter Cell does come up. Well, okay. Okay. Splinter's... Uh, okay. All right. Listen. Okay. I played Splinter Cell back on OG Xbox. Okay. It was great. I loved it. I would love for Ubisoft not to be a fucking douchebag for once in their fucking life, like EA, and make a good fucking uh-huh. espionage type game. But you know what? Is it going to happen? Not anytime fucking soon. And not when Ubisoft is talking about getting rid of fucking digital, fucking physical copies and fucking making digital copies obsolete. They get rid of the crew. Okay. That's a fucking here or there or near, near say. So let's not get on that fucking goddamn tangent. And let's talk about some rise of the Ronin. Something I'm looking forward to, my man. Uh, side note. <laughs> I'm sorry to push you so far, man. I'm sorry to push you. Fuck we should have been stopped. They're fucking asshole, dude. We should have been done with this podcast a while ago. <laughs> It should have happened, but you know what? It didn't fucking happen. So, Rise of the Ronin, it looks fucking fantastic. Hey, man, I'm looking forward to it. It looks really fucking good. The gameplay looked solid. It, honestly, to me, I don't know if did you ever played Way of the Samurai back in the day, back in the like the PS2 era and stuff. You no, I, I have never played that game. Now, no, okay. To me, it looks it looks like that, where like you can kind of make your own story type of deal and. um you know, you make your own progress and stuff. I'm, I'm, I have high hopes for Rise of the Ronin. Again, my only issue with it is that it's coming out the same time a fucking Dragon's Dogma two, dude. Fucking kill me. I don't have enough time uh, to play both of them. Listen, you know, we can play whatever game we want to, so I wouldn't be too worried about that. And I think Rise of the I mean, Ronin, it's gonna, happen. it's gonna happen, right? It's gonna happen. Yeah. The main question I want to ask about Rise of the Ronin is that how much of the Neo DNA do you still see in Rise of yeah. the Ronin? No, yeah. Oh, yeah, that is one hundred percent valid. I mean, I I like Neo, but I don't know. There's something about it that's not as gripping, right? I had an issue with Neo. I had an issue with Neo Two. I had an issue with um, what's a Wulong 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 Dynasty or something yeah, yeah. like that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that came out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I had an issue with that one as well. It's just there's something about those games. I don't know if it's because it's um it's a singular mission type type game versus an open world like Dark Souls or something. I don't know what it is, but I'm hoping Rise of the Ronin is the cure, right? I don't know. That's just me. Yeah. I mean, we'll see about when it comes out. Uh looks pretty good in my end. But uh let's cap off the uh, state of the play by talking about the one game that got released at the same time as the state of the play itself, the Silent Hill, the short message you you mentioned you've already finished this game, right? Yes. I don't know if I mentioned that while we were talking or if it was offline when we were talking. I did play a Silent Hill short message. Um, I don't know. Ari, what kind of questions do you have for me? Sure. Give me a quick rundown of this game because I didn't have the opportunity to play it. How long was this particular game? So it's about, I mean, if you run through it, it's about an hour and a half. Okay. You know, I think it probably took me closer to two hours. Um, it is, I will say it is very different 
than the typical Silent Hill game. Okay. Now I like the Silent Hill franchise. I, I do enjoy the franchise of Silent Hill a lot. It is very convoluted in my opinion. It doesn't make as much sense as say the Resident Evil franchise. I haven't played a lot of it. So it's out there to say the least. Okay. Uh, what I can tell you with the Silent Hill franchise is a third person, uh, over the shoulder, more or less type game. Um, Silent Hill, uh, the short message is a first person uh, iteration. So it is very different than the typical Silent Hill games. Um, it, now, me, myself, I don't necessarily play for the story. I don't really give a shit about story, more or less. Um, I, I'm more there for gameplay and graphics and mainly gameplay. Um, t- to me, it, it felt good. It didn't feel bad. It was very, it was fluid, right? It was more of a Outlast type game than, say, a Alien Isolation. Um, I would have preferred more of an Alien Alien Isolation type game where, like, you are able to defend yourself and fight back, versus like an Outlast type game where more or less most of what you do is run and hide. So that that's kind of my thing with the game it it wasn't bad the story i feel like the story was more geared towards the gen z than the millennials um that it 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 takes a hard look at how uh social media itself kind of uh overtakes your your daily life in in you're more encompassed in it but i feel like with millennials you know social media wasn't as prevalent, we kind of watched it get born, you know, that whole Bane fucking, oh, you grew up in the dark, or whatever the fuck, you know, Bane said in the fucking Batman and shit, right? Like, we we watched social media kind of come up, right? Versus Gen Z being born into it, okay? So, I feel like it's different for me than it is with someone that's younger than me. Well, technically, Zen Z was born into it. We merely adopted yeah, it. We, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, you know yeah, how that, I fucking That's mean. good. So, like, you know, it looks like it's a short story, but, and it's completely different from the gameplay perspective to how you have usually played your Silent Hill games before. Yeah, but yeah for sure. Does it do the job of making you excited? for the next Silent Hill that is coming. Because this is the first Silent Hill game in a long, long time, if I'm not, like, incorrect. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is... um, Fuck, dude. I don't don't even know the last time we saw a fucking Silent Hill game, but we know the Silent Hill 2 remake is coming up, and we know a lot about it. We know it's third person. It doesn't change a lot from the narrative and stuff. It it is very much the same. This is very different. This is more like... um, when Resident Evil transitioned to the first person view with uh, the mansion down the bayou, I can't remember which one that was. Uh, seven, seven or eight? Seven? Seven. seven? seven. Yeah, seven. Yeah, thing. So it's more like that. So to say the least, I'm, I'm interested to see if they keep uh, the first person perspective and they kind of go with this kind of storyline or if they go more. I feel like Short Message was more of a direct story. Versus the old Silent Hill games where it's more convoluted. 
How similar to PT was this short message? So I didn't play PT. <laughs> I, I wish I could tell you I, t- I played PT, but I didn't play PT. So it's, I can't fucking say, honestly. That's, that's what it's reminding from the, what I've seen from the, you know, online yeah. about the people's gameplay is that it is basically what PT looked like. So from seeing what PT was like online and stuff like that and playing this is very different. PT was more, um, you had to find more different clues to kind of progress the story and stuff. Whereas this was, it was still just a straight narrative. And then like I, your last like chase scene, which was very outlasty, like, which was just like run around and find pictures to fucking unlock a door. It, it wasn't anything special. I'll say that. PT was very unique and it was very like you had to look and and understand and pay attention to what was different, right? Like that's kind of like what PT was. This was not like that at all. Okay. Okay, so all right, that makes sense. I think the what I was like from the aesthetic it looked pretty similar, but from the gameplay, a little bit different. Although I do like the kind of games where you have to kind of click and uh, find new clues, which I'll talk about a little bit later on. But yeah, that's yeah. pretty cool. I mean, overall, you know, it's getting excited for the next uh, Silent Hill that's coming up. And that's, that means like it does its job pretty well, in my opinion. Like, and that's what it's supposed to do. It's like advertise for the next Silent Hill coming up. And would you consider then, like, you know, you want to see more of like this anthology kind of take on Silent Hill? Like, it'd be a good way to kind of reintroduce Silent Hill by kind of creating convoluted, not convoluted, but like different story from like every iteration once in a while. Um, I'm all for, uh, like a, a new version to start to tell a story, right? I'm all for getting the remasters of two of one, getting the third person view. I'm all for getting these new iterations that are first person. I'm for it to say the least. Um, I'm interested to see where they take the, uh, the series and stuff. We we've seen what resident evil has done. They've done a f- phenomenal fucking job. Capcom has done A plus when it comes to remaking the originals and when it's come to furthering the, the story in a different, different branching kind of path, right? And I would like to see Silent Hill do something similar. I think it would be beneficial to them. Yeah, I, I mean, it looks like a lot of fans are going to be excited then when this franchise restart, you know, a little bit like gets rebooted properly, and then we get to see more newer version of this game. So it's good for them, yeah. I mean, overall state of play, what do you think? Excited about a lot of games coming up. So we'll have another state of play in February 6th, uh, tomorrow as well. Well, Tuesday, February 6th. So (laughs) today, kind of nice to see what we'll have. Uh, So everything, a lot of things exciting kind of coming up. So that's pretty good. Yeah, no. uh, State of play, I think, was phenomenal. It was a lot of uh, what we already know already, but I think it was just a reinforcement of what we know, right? A lot of solid shit. Um, moving on from that, uh, do you want to do the the Pikachu thing or do you want to just wrap up with Last of Us 2? Or? Let's wrap up with The Last of Us 2. Last of Us 2, okay. So honestly, um, Ari, I don't know if you know, I've been playing PS PlayStation for fucking forever. So this to me is not necessarily a new article, but is a, a rehash of something. And largely it has to do with um, the uh, the grounded to 
the making of The Last of Us Part Two, so which is the documentary that was uh, introduced into the remake. And basically, what this article is saying from Kotaku is uh, The Last of Us Part Two actor Laura Bailey uh, fans threaten her son. Ari, I I don't know about you, but me personally, come on, guys, we're better than that, right? So basically, the story is that Laura Bailey, while because like you know the character Abby that she portrays on Last of Us Two, uh, had let's say for lack of a better word, some negative reception, and suddenly, so right, but then suddenly these impassioned assholes decide that oh no, this is a real person that I can attack now, and then they go and find Laura Bailey on the internet or like, you know, even her own kid and then threaten that then as if like, you know, she's the one who wrote the character or she's the one who actually went and killed Joel or something. Yeah. Like she's the one that made Abby, right? She, she she's fucking Neil Druckmann and made Abby. I mean, come on guys, dude, she's a voice actor for fuck's sake. She's just playing the character. She didn't make the character. Okay. And I mean, whether or not, you agree with it? Who, who gives a fuck, dude? You didn't make the game. Neil Druckmann wanted to kill Joel. Hey, you know what? It fucking happens, dude. Fucking take the L. I mean, you didn't make the fucking game. Who cares? Yeah, you don't like the story? Go make your fan fiction. You yeah. know that that's a creative outlet right there, rather than writing a death threat on a person. That's the crazy part. That's crossing the fucking line. I mean, it's it's fucking crazy to do that. I mean, you're, you're throwing hate at this person that didn't make the fucking character for one. I mean, you, come on, guys. We're, we're better than that. We can yeah. do better than this, that. I mean, this is, this is the reason, uh, Ian, I don't like nerds. I'll be yeah. really honest. That has been oh. like always like, not just like, you know, just for Last of Us part two, but like anytime, like, you know, these big franchises that have some hardcore fan base, if you can even call them that, these people take, take this thing as if it's their own life sentence. As if it's their own life that is being messed up with, and they take this out on specifically more often than not to women or children. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, dude, I don't like the direction or the 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 story that The Last of Us Two went with. Personally, I honestly, if you ask me, I would have preferred The Last of Us Part Two was actually The Last of Us Part Three. And the last of us part two, we got to see maybe Abby as a, as in her, when, like, when you played as Abby in last of us part two, we got to play that in, in actual part two. So you got to kind of connect with the character a little bit in her fucking dad and stuff. And then maybe at the end of that game, that's when you saw fucking Joel kick down doors, fucking blasting motherfuckers in the hospital and shit. I mean, I feel like, in my opinion, there there was there may have been a better way to tell that story. But you know what? That's that's my opinion. I didn't fucking make the game. It wasn't up to me. So you know what? I I'm left to deal with what we're given with, and you know what? That's fine. But I'm not going to sit there and make death threats to the fucking voice actor of the character. Exactly. And Laura Bailey, you know, she's online on like in a critical role and stuff like that. She's a pretty well known actress. She Can does you- not deserve that at all. She is a fantastic voice actor she is a plus so for for quote unquote fans which uh, that is toting the fucking line to sit there and make death threats to her that is uncalled for in my opinion and you know 
absolutely agreed on that. And I think like, you know, it, it make, I think more than like, you know, this live service or more than any kind of, uh, shit that's happening in the gaming industry. I think it's the conduct of these people, in my opinion, is one of the biggest stain on video game industry itself, because that's what makes other part of the pop culture look at video games and think this is a juvenile and a very misogynistic and a very unwelcoming environment. And it really prevents more people from getting into video games because yep. of shit like this. Yep, 100%, dude. I am um, that, that is a, in my opinion, a 100% factual statement. Um, I, I can't get behind that statement a- any more than I already am. I mean, it, it, to, to make death threats to a voice actor is the lowest of low in, in, in this industry. And it is also like an additional now. We have to be a little bit concerned because there's going to be an act, like not actual person. Of course, Laura Bailey is an actual person, but an actress on screen who will be portraying Abby. And it's going to be very unfortunate to see this kind of behavior be repeated with another actress as well, who's not responsible for writing this character, but she will be portraying it. And this is a char- actress who I really like because she played a really good character in one of my favorite TV shows, Justified. She played Loretta. And the actress's name is Carolyn Dever, and she's a fantastic actress in that role, who, in my head canon, would have been a perfect Ellie to begin with. I think she po- should have portrayed Ellie in a much, like, I think she would have been perfect for the role. Even the Bella Ramsey, who plays Ellie right now, is pretty good as well. But, like, this is, would have been the actress that I would have kind of chosen on my end. But, like, you know, she's still a young actress who's, like, you know, making her name and et cetera, and hopefully that she doesn't get the similar kind of maltreatment that Laura Bailey has been facing for the same character. Yeah, no, uh, Laura Bailey is for sure a fucking trooper. Uh, much props to her. I've, I've watched Critical Role. I, I'm very familiar with her work. So the, the fact that she's able to take this in such stride, uh, I cannot commend her more. Um, like, it... it uncalled for is, is just what it is it, it's truly uncalled for and I, I i sincerely hope that the uh actor portrayal in the last of us the uh, tv show yeah tv yeah tv show i i hope she does not get the same kind of treatment because laura bailey is a veteran with this she i don't want to say oh she's used to it and shit like that but she is she knows how fucking inconsiderate some people can fucking be in this fucking industry. And unfortunately, that's what we have to deal with now. And I would hope that anyone listening to this podcast uh, just doesn't partake in that kind of uh, lifestyle, more or less. Yeah, it just takes like, but you know, Ian, like it just takes that one asshole, one asshole to ruin the whole thing, you know? Oh, yeah. (laughs) One apple to ruin a bunch, man. I mean, it happens, dude. So... I hate to see it, but I, I I like to see our you know genre expand. Yeah, right. Like, like this I, is I, we're in kind of like you know kind of a fight for like the central of pop culture. You know, video game versus TV show. Where TV shows are becoming more like video games, but video games are becoming more like you know movies and TV shows. We're in such an interesting cultural pathway, and this kind of behavior is gonna kind of like pull us back from really sharing this hobby with even more general like you know population yeah no for sure i mean it, it's going to keep us back versus project us forward and what we need to project forward right that's it, it's the evolution of it right 
I mean, that's, <laughs> I don't know. I, that, that's just me, man. I mean, I'm all for seeing like what the future holds, right? Like, yeah, right. You know, not being stagnant, not being in the same fucking Skyrim loop and shit. You know, like I want to see what the future holds. And for that to happen, you need more people to participate and not yeah, being ex- gatekept like this. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, whether it's fucking VR, whether it's fucking, you know you're you're releasing IMAX fucking movies in conjunction with fucking video games and stuff. I mean, I don't know. I mean, what, what you know, where well, do you stop? Yeah. <laughs> what, what are you talking about? Yeah, no, exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah don't, hey, hey, video games? <laughs> don't threaten, don't threaten people. Stop it. Don't, stop it, you. Don't, don't threaten me with a good time. You, yeah, you, Michael, <laughs> Michael, you, stop threatening women, okay? Stop threatening... <laughs> Children and women. Michael, I know you. It's you. <laughs> uh, with that being said, I think we can move on to the game that we want to review. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. I got to piss so bad. <laughs> Say that again, Ian. What are we talking about? Ian, we're talking about one of the most overlooked game of last year. A good Over- game. <laughs> overlooked games yes, what absolutely overlooked game it was a something that was a bright star in the sky but it's just disappeared with the morning sun my yes. man i'm talking about immortality the Immor- game immortality <laughs> immortality a bright star my man hey <laughs> listen okay so preface this by saying i did not play this game at all so i have no idea what this is about other than uh to me, it seemed more like a uh, kind of a movie type game. Ari, correct me if I'm wrong. Go on with well, it. Ian, Take- do you like watching movies? I mean, yeah, of course. Who doesn't like watching movies? Do you like watching incomplete movies and put them together in different clips and then like get a what? story out of it? No, that, that <laughs> sounds like terrible. Uh, that, that does not sound like a fun time to me. Well, then... Obviously, right? This game that I just played, The Immortality, uh, it's a game by Sam Barlow. And you like this. Sam Barlow was one of the writers for Silent Hill Shattered uh, Memories and Silent Hill Origins. So he's oh, a. Yeah, so he's a very well known into, like, you know, writing kind of a interesting kind of story, like, you know, a bit mind twisty kind of story. We already talked about Silent Hill, but yeah, he's. he's he, made this, uh, he developed this game with collaboration with other writers as well, of course. But. This is a game, Immortality, centered around you, somebody, you as in like a player, find a couple of clips, like a couple of clips from some incomplete movies, like specifically three movies. And your job is to put together these clips in such a manner or find the clips in such a manner that you can tell the story of those movies. There are three movies called Ambrosio, Minsky, and Two of Everything, shot in 1968, 1970, and in 1999. And all of these movies center around a actress who was lost when these movies were lost, called Marissa Marcel. And you're trying to find her story, what happened to her, based upon these clips of these incomplete movies. Okay, so, okay, my first question for you is, I'm not entirely familiar with this uh genre of uh game how closely related it related is it to say like until dawn 
or like the quarry, right? I'm familiar with those types of games. How much does it kind of resemble those types of games? Not at all. I not don't think okay. not at all. Okay. Because I think until dawn is more of a traditional game because this is the great thing. This is what I like about this game, Immortality, is that it makes so, you question what exactly do you define as a video game. So do you feel that this is more of a movie than it is like a game? No, that's the thing. Again, this is a video game, in my opinion. I know a lot of people will have this debate about this particular game, but to me, it feels like a video game because what exactly is a video game? It's a simulation of action, right? You're simulating a certain action, whether you're driving a car, being a gangster, being shooting a gun. You're simulating some kind of action in order to progress a story most of the time, sometimes not at all. Or you're like, you know, in the Silent Hill, uh, you know, shortened message or whatever that one was, but <laughs> shattered message. The short message. <laughs> yeah, but like in that one, you're simulating somebody who is going through some tragedy or like, you know, running and etc. In this one, you do simulate an action of a editor. Like you are basically piecing together a movie, but you have to do it in such a way by finding the story thread. You're simulating as a story creator. And of course, for that simulation, it's not going to be as traditional as, you know, your joystick being used to move a character around and shooting and stuff like that. It's a different kind of simulation that is required. So it is a video game, but it is definitely unlike any other kind of video game simulation you'll play. So would you call it more of like a point-and-click adventure type game? Or like, is it more of like an interactive movie type deal? It is more like a point-and-click adventure, and so like the like old an interactive kind of, mode. So like the old kind of Sierra type games. I don't know if you if you played kind I of those yeah, kind of day, but like Tim Curry and Command and Control and that kind of games, right? It is a little bit similar to that. There is an aspect where like the game breaks the fourth wall and interacts with you directly. That's like Litron spoiler alert, but uh, it is basically like you know it is trying to draw you as a person who's putting these clips together inside the clips themselves. It's like it's like kind of draws you into that story of what's happening to Marissa Marsa. Uh, it's like you're basically you're more of a detective more than anything else, but you're like a, a, a writing detective more than anything else. Like you're basically trying to figure out what a story is and you go through clip by clip, characters by character. You latch on to a certain story. You latch on to a certain kind of object like the way you play a game is that you get a couple of clips at first and then you go through the clip and then you find something interesting in that clip like an actor or an object in the background or uh like you know certain kind of uh like you know whatever's happening in the story in the background and you click through those particular part of the image and then it takes you to another new clip it discovers a new clip with that similar kind of image and it helps you connect those two into a cohesive kind of story. So you're kind of watching this movie, right? And then you you kind of just like pause it when you kind of see something more or less interesting to get kind of more background information on it. Is that kind of like what I'm gathering here? That is exactly what you do. You study through the clips. Clips are not like going to be too long, but it is going to usually be either like a dress rehearsal or a non-dress rehearsal or a table reading of the script or the actual shot from the movie or a uh, 
seen while they were shooting the movie or in the background, like multiple different kinds of clips are being used. And that is where you're trying to piece together into a story. Now, that is like, you know, clicking through the object, as you mentioned, that is how you create a thread that will help you kind of like, you know, complete the scenes or complete the thing. For example, in a scene, they talk about a hidden key and then they find the key. So you click on the key to see where that key will lead to in another scene. And then after that, you click on another part of the scene to kind of lead where the key goes to, who hides it and stuff like that. And you create a certain storyline together and you piece storylines together to create the movie. All right. Okay. So it It sounds sounds like like the characters characters kind of like like drive most most of the story going forward then. Yeah. So you, as like an editor that you're trying to simulate, you're the one driving the story. It's happening in a more of a past tense. You're, the main drive of the story is the uh, actress named Marisa Marcel, played by I'm going to get her name pretty soon here, uh, Madon Gage. I think that's her name. Oh well, I'll find the story. Her name a little bit later, but she should probably be somewhere around here. Let me give it a quick thing. Marissa Marcel, played by Manon Gaze. She's a new and up-and-coming actress herself. But yeah, basically this actress had a couple of movies in the 60s and 70s and 90s that got lost in time. And they're just putting it together to kind of create her movies. Wait, so like... Like, hold on a second. I'm trying to like gather everything, right? So she's... So you're an editor more or less yeah. in this game and you're like kind of just like editing the movies yeah basically like you sitting in the chair playing this game is basically an editor you you found these clips like it that's the thing it kind of breaks a lot of like this fourth wall of how it draws you into the story like you me like you're sitting in my chair right now become a character in the game who just received these clips and my job is to put these clips together to make it into a complete movie I don't know if you try if you understand what I just said. I'm not no, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I get you. That, that, that's an interesting way to, to kind of tell your story, right? Because, like you said, you, you are breaking your fourth wall a, a bit, to say the least. I mean, when, when you're playing as an editor, you know, watching these films and then kind of editing more or less these these clips into a film so i mean what's the overall kind of story then i mean you're seeing this old actress in these old kind of films right like here's the interesting part about it there is not just one story that's happening of course if you take the clips that you find and you organize them by say when by the date as in like when it was shot you find the story that is behind the scene that is happening in that particular shooting. But if you organize the clip by the scenes, then you find the story of the movie itself. So you have to kind of go back and forth organizing in different way to know what happened in the movie and what happened while the movie was being shot and what happened to the actress. So you kind of have like a back and forth type of thing? Exactly. And that's the only two out of three stories that is happening. Between the clips themselves, you start finding secret clips, like secret part okay. of the areas. When you certainly kind of manipulate the clip, like reversing, you find 
the much more broader aspect, like you know, the higher level story, like a more, lack of a better word, supernatural element of the story starts coming up. I'm like not going to go over, into like an overcompassing type of story, like the 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 more or less overall a story that kind of deals with existence, supernatural. It's like a David Lynch kind of a story becomes. It's 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 much more supernatural than like you know your traditional drama. What's led to be believed? Yeah, that that's what that what's led to be believed. That's exactly what I was going to say. So I mean, seeing some like screenshots and stuff. I mean this. This looks like a more of a actor portrayal versus like like an AI type thing. Is that kind of what I'm getting? Yeah, it's more of an actor portrayal. It's definitely like you know these people. Like uh, one of my uh, weird criticism about this is that all of these clips look like it was made by graduate students from New York <laughs> New York University's yeah. Tisk School of Art. Uh, that's a secret uh, dig at my brother, who's probably going to be listening to it, <laughs> but. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's basically kind of looks like a movie that is made by a bunch of film school students uh, rather than like an actual movie. But there are some performances that are really, really good. The main actress, Manon Gage, who plays Marissa Marcel, the main character, I think she does a really good job as the character. It's it's really easy to kind of want to follow her story. She's very sympathetic in how she portrays it in that you want to learn more about what happened to her and, you know, why did she not make it as an actress? What happened to her career and et cetera? It really like, you know, uh, and then as you kind of progress and find more and more clips, sometimes when you're looking at the clip from the first movie, Ambrosio, you find the clips of the Minsky hidden through it, which is the second movie. And then in the Minsky, you'll find two of everything, which is the third movie. And it forces you to go back and forth in multiple things, but you have to be very good at gauging where your stories are so that you don't get lost on that end. Yeah, so speaking of stories, it looks like it was directed by Sam Barlow, who uh, also was the uh, writer and designer of uh, two British Silent Hill games in Silent Hill Origins, which was a pretty pro- prolific Silent Hill game, and uh, Silent Hill Shattered Memories. So it sounds like a kind of Silent Hill uh, type director was was making kind of a different kind of genre of game which i mean it's great it's great to see them kind of branch out and make something different um so hey, hey i'm all for seeing him uh try something different and and make something work right yeah no no he he's been on a roll on this kind of thing also this like this game is not fully there as in like the game genre that it is trying to be I think it can still improve and become a lot more solid, engaging game because it's still not for everybody to play. Like this game is still a little bit of, you know, kind of a gatekeep. If you're somebody who enjoys watching David Lynch movies or uh, if you like just watching movies in a much more like, you know, deeper kind of story manner, uh, you enjoy like the story aspect, how movies are shot. You like this particular kind of game to kind of play around it. If you're somebody who's like really into OCD, wanting to complete the story no matter what, you'll probably enjoy this game a lot more than people who will just play casually or something like that. And the movie, you will enjoy the story of the movie as well. I think it has a pretty decent thing to tell on that end. Yeah, what kind of liking something is more uh, intricate in a connection type of way is going to enjoy this more than just like a blanket overall story, more or less. Exactly. It's about 14, I think you could give this game about 14 hours 
it, it'll cost you $14 right now on Steam to kind of go and play. It'll cost you about 14 hours if you really want to go through in detail, but you don't have to find all of the clip to finish up the game itself. Uh, as long as you've managed to find the core stories and what's happening and you discover it, a lot of your achievements is based upon how detailed you have been able to comb through the story and be able to find other people's story, not just Marissa Marcel, but other actresses or other actor or what happened to them. If you manage to find out, that also helps a lot on that end uh, to achieve, uh, to get the achievements. But overall, the story is quite interesting. The movies themselves, I think the, the three movies that you tried to fulfill, I don't think they're very good movies <laughs> if I had to watch them. Because in the same way, like, you know, some people are theorizing that Alan Wake, uh, is not a good writer if you actually read his writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the same way, the movies themselves are not good, but it is interesting what is happening to this character at the same time. She's going through a lot of like, you know, uh, mental kind of stress and et cetera. She's being pushed and pulled in many different ways, not just from mentally, but like from supernatural things that are happening around her as well, which is kind of causing her uh, to kind of lose her identity, struggle with her identity. So you kind of see it in a clip-by-clip-by-clip basis. You don't get the full story, so you get to make up a lot of the story on your mind as well. And that's why it's such a David Lynch kind of story. I don't know if you've ever watched any David Lynch movies. Maybe, possibly. Um, I don't know if I'll look up something to see. But, I mean, it sounds like you, you have kind of some freedom there to kind of make up how the story kind of goes, more or less. Or, like rather have the story kind of ends maybe yeah the you don't have that much of a freedom because it is telling a particular story and the only way you can complete the game is if you fulfill the story as they were trying to tell it right uh so there's no open ending on that end uh, it's only open ending how you want to interpret it uh, interpret the story yeah, itself. yeah, yeah. yeah that's about yeah, it like- how how the user interprets how the fucking story like kind of happens more or less exactly and there are many ways you look at these clips and try to interpret it in many different kind of ways uh, if you're really into those kind of like you know interpretation and movie analysis there is plenty of things to kind of look into it like one of my favorite theory about this game is that the three movies do a really good job reflecting the main actress and where she's in her life so the first movie is ambrosia which is about somebody who is kind of like you know in the sway of a powerful man like it's about a character who is kind of like you know swayed by a more powerful man trying to please him which is what the actress is trying to do at that stage of her career with a really powerful director the second movie that she does is minsky where the main act the main character of minsky is trying to figure out how to be more independent and have her own thought and etc and break her shackles from powerful figures Marissa Marcel herself is trying to do that while shooting that movie as well. And Two of Everything is about uh, two women played by same character, Marissa Marcel, and how she has to kind of conclude her story and bring her two identity together. And that's what Marissa Marcel has to do in Two of Everything as well. So there's a really good mirror image on that end. So it's more like a evolution on character sort of deal, you could say. Exactly. The movies reflect where this actress herself the character marissa marcel is in her life and it's a really good mirror image of like you know how it plays out so you can kind of look at the story of the movie and you can kind of figure out what the behind the scenes story is as well if you really pay attention to it i feel that um i'm gonna say that's way above my fucking head because i'm more of a uh 
point me in the direction of the enemies and let me fucking shoot a motherfucker down, right? But, so that exactly and, that that is if, if there's nothing want, wrong with that. Yeah, yeah. If you want something that's more like food for thought type of deal, and you see like an actual kind of evolution of a character, that's that's what what I'm kind of getting, right? Yeah, basically, yeah. There's a lot of like you know, kind of a character development overall. The acting, there are some actors like you know who I think they hired the the game themselves. They hired like some people who are very experienced actors. Like they're not like the big name actors, but they have done extra work or kind of work like that. Like older actors, they really stand out. It's not Troy Baker. It's not but Troy Baker, the, but it's the like guy, the the guy below Troy Baker. Yeah, like, they're not going to be able to afford Troy Baker here. Come on. <laughs> But yeah, they don't, the, most of the actors and actresses are not like well known or anything. Some of them have appeared in other stuff, I think, but nothing that is so notable. But I really hope that the main actress, Manon Gage, who plays Marissa Marcel, I'm going to keep saying Manon Gage, who plays Marissa Marcel for the rest of her career. I really hope she gets an opportunity to be in other kind of like, you know, movies or games and et cetera. Because I think. She does a very good kind of subtle job, in my opinion. It's really hard to see her be a good actress when you're just watching a clip. But as she watches like fucking 202 clips of her that I have, you see like a subtle, her subtle talents into it. And she's a really good singer too. And later on you find out if you find more clips about it. But yeah, it's a like, I really came to like, really like this actress. Like, hopefully she gets more opportunities outside as well. But yeah, overall, like, you know, solid, decent cast. Like, you know, not everybody's an A plus act- acting job. Yeah. But yeah, most yeah. of them I are. I mean, you, you can't, yeah, you can't expect everyone to be uh, like a A plus plus, right? I mean, but as long as you have some like good anchored, leading fucking roles then i mean that's kind of especially i feel like in a game like this where it's more narrative type based i mean obviously you're not getting like a a gameplay fucking i'm not fucking running around bloodborne fucking (laughs) rolling dodging and fighting bosses and shit right like we're talking about like i'm finding clues to like progress the story and and uncover more storylines and shit so i mean you really need your your actors to kind of to pull you in that direction and kind of to, to lay out the oh, yeah. story for you. So, I mean, it's a vastly different than it's something that me, myself personally would play. If this game is given chess, they do pull you in really well. Like at the end of it, I'm not feeling like I'm playing a game. I'm feeling like I'm the actual editor who is trying to figure out what happened to this particular people, yeah. group of people. It you're, you're, you're watching a movie and you're, you're, you're an editor trying to put this movie together and you're trying to figure out yourself kind of what's exactly. going on with this this kind of direction and, and what's going on with this story. Exactly. And I really hope to see more of these kind of movies, especially considering the price that it came out in. It felt like a really good like a palate cleanser before getting ready for like a big game that might be coming out. Uh, I call a lot. Yeah, yeah. Like I keep saying that palate cleanser so much, but I like these kind of smaller games and it, it, I really like the fact that, you know, just like we talked about Hideo Kojima, it's like somebody who tries to push the boundary of what a game can be. I love watching this happen again and again. And I think uh, it was definitely overlooked for the uniqueness that this game provides. And I hope anybody who's listening to it has a chance then. And if you like stories, movies and stuff, to give it a chance, definitely. It's a solid B because 
for me, like there's still a lot of places to improve because I have some complaints uh, to be serious about this game. So would you say like, if you liked like the uh, Until Dawn type games, like, would you enjoy this type of game? You know what uh, I mean? It's not as um, like reflexive requirement. Like it's not as reflex requirement as Until Dawn. Like if you like yeah, Until yeah. Dawn because you have to be fast and paced and stuff like that, it's not like that game at all. It is a slow burn kind of a game, kind of like if you like the story and narrative, yep, then though. you will like this game. If you like discovering the story, it's the try to find more details, what happened kind of thing. Yeah, you will enjoy this game. But a lot of people like Until Dawn because not just like story, but like it has like kind of a reflex kind of gameplay. You need to be fast and kind of like, you know, there's like a dopamine yeah. hit every time you hit the kind of like the right option and stuff. But yeah. <laughs> this one doesn't have as much as like that. It has that slow burn, like, oh, okay, you're putting it together, putting it there. Oh, now I get it. That's amazing. Okay, now I'm going to go take a piss and then I'll be right back. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I got you. Yeah. One of my complaints, I'll say this on this game, Ian, is that <laughs> it's a weird complaint, but this game has uh, quite a bit of nudity in this game. No, really? Like physical nudity. And there are like sex scenes and it's like simulated uh, sex scenes in this one. Well, I mean, and, you're watching like a, a, you're watching a movie take place and you're more or less like you said, like an editor or something. So, I mean, it would make sense that kind of, exactly. Would, so kind of stuff. the spoiler part about this game, right? When you play through the game, your controller starts vibrating when there is kind of a clue happening around it. And sometimes you have to pause the clip or like reverse the clip to find that clue. And, at least a couple of times, the sex scenes have the clue right when they're like having sex. So that's so that, yeah, that's when your your mom and dad are walks in, right? Your mom or dad <laughs> walks in right at that point when you're like rewinding to get the clue and your you know, the penetration and shit, right? Like that. <laughs> no, not exactly, but that that is a, that is a risk. Definitely, so be careful when you play this game if you're living play with your, your parents or whatever. Play your own risk. Yeah, if you're living with living with people let's just let's just play in your bedroom or whatever but like close doors like don't knock on my door when i'm playing this game i got you i got you there but, but you have to reverse the clip slowly so you're watching this simulated <laughs> sex happening in a slow motion and then sometimes the clues are like clicking on somebody's tits the the slow penetration is what you're talking about there. You're, yeah, we go, we got, we have the rewind and shit. I got you, I got you. Okay, so what you're saying is this is something I should invest in. I got it. Okay. No, no, but like, it's like, like they knew, they, they're trying to pull a, like a joke on people who play the game a little bit. So like, like some of the clues are Only right. Only available on, the, on Steam. You can't get it anywhere else. I, I, I got you. I got. You. Hey, there's much worse like lewdness on Steam's <laughs> dating sim market oh, than this game. Okay, for sure. <laughs> I believe it. Hey, so, it's not oh, a complaint. Okay. Right. Well, well, let yeah. me let me let me wrap this up with this. Um, overall, how did you feel about it? Did you did you enjoy your time playing it? Was it like kind of worth what you paid for? You know that sort of deal. I mean. Yeah, I mean, overall, you're not paying too much. 14 to $15 for, like, about 15 <laughs> hours of gameplay if you really want to find everything. Yeah. And there's a satisfaction at the end of it. For me, this game is a solid B, oh, as I said. Okay. Like, it's a good, solid B. 
uh, like in a game, you can get out in a discount or whatever. Kind of kill some time before like your next big game comes out or whatever the fuck, right? So much. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, I think this is uh, like if you're looking for something different when it comes to video game, give this one a shot, man. Is it okay? Okay. I'm. I will probably not because I'm playing too many shitty other games and Everspace Two and shit. Uh, That's a weird <laughs> excuse. Yeah, but yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna play a good game because I'm playing shit games. So, uh, <laughs> 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 that's how I roll, man. <laughs> Fuck it. Uh, I said too much. That's, our, that's our job, man. That's our that's our responsibility. <laughs> we play shit games so you don't have to. Yeah, so you don't have to. Everspace Two is great. Don't uh, don't get me wrong. I'm, it's a game, yeah. but buy this game if you have time. Buy this game if you have a little bit of money to spare. Buy this game if you want to kind of learn about the stories and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. I feel it, Marian. This is a quite a bit of a second recording, right? How did we do? I I love it, dude. I love it. I'm here for it, baby. Hey, where can I reach? Hey, where can I reach? Where can where- I, if I were a listener, where could I reach us at? Uh, you want me to give you their your address to them? Yeah, sure. You know, why not? I mean, if I wanted to. I mean, yeah. I was saying, out of there, you know, the world. And you're out. You're out. <laughs> All right, I'm out uh, there, baby. I'm out there. Let's go. All right, everyone. Uh, thank you for joining. If you'd like to reach us out, you can reach us out at hypingbastards at gmail.com. We also have a YouTube channel now at hypingbastards uh, at YouTube, I guess. But yes, so thank you for joining. And Ian, uh, take it easy, man. Don't drive home now. I'm already home, so I can get as drunk as I want. So, at least I'm not itchy. I will say that. And I don't have to tear my skin off, so. (laughs) Later.